Well, as you can tell by things looking a little different around here today, packages up here, wreaths on the wall, that it's almost Christmas time. I love the fact that there's no snow on the ground, but it's almost Christmas time. And for the month of December, we're going to take a break from our uh, our series going through the book of Ephesians. And we're going to spend today and then the following three Sundays focusing on what should be our main focus every day and what should especially be our main focus during the Christmas season. We're going to talk about answering this question, Jesus is. Jesus is, and we're going to talk about um, who he is. And each week we're going to look at another a, a name, one particular name of Jesus that are found in the Christmas story, and we're going to explore what that means and we're going to look at how does it, what, does it, what does it say to us, how does it apply to our lives. And each week, we're going to start in the same verse uh, in Luke chapter 2, and then it's going to be our theme verse, and then we're going to branch out from there into wherever that takes us. And each week, also, what's going to happen is a different pastor is going to be preaching in a different name of God. So I'm starting off this week, and then another pastor will preach the following three weeks about the different names of God. So I want us to turn this morning to our theme verse. Turn to Luke chapter 2 with me. And I'm going to read a little bit longer passage than just the theme. The theme verses just be verses 10 and 11 that we're going to take the names out of. Um, but let me just put it in a little context. This is a story of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. And we're kind of jumping into the middle of it here in verse, I'm going to start in verse 8. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you, look at some of these names, a Savior, who is called the Christ, or Messiah, and the Lord. And we'll stop right there. As we begin looking at the, the names of Jesus, the titles of Jesus, I'm going to begin with one today that's not explicitly stated in the text. And it's actually why I took this one. Because it's not there, and I'm going to, but it's hinted at here. It's implied here, and I'm going to explain to you how. And um, we're going to talk about what that means. And the one that I'm going to look at today that's implied in the text, and again, I'll explain how that means, is, is this one over here. It's Jesus is Emmanuel. We're going to talk about this, and every week we're going to take a different, a different package. In essence, I'm not going to open this up, but in essence what we're going to do every single week is we're going to take another gift, and we're going to basically unwrap it. We're going to unwrap it from the Scriptures. We're going to, going to look at it. We're going to see that each name of Jesus, title of Jesus, tells us something else about him. It gives us additional information. It, it says something more wonderful about him than the name before, and that's why we can take... Um, four weeks and just talk about four names, and we could actually take 40 weeks and talk about 40 names. And they would all add something additional about Jesus. And, and so the title, the, the one, what I'm using today is the name is, is the name of Jesus, Emmanuel. But you say, well, Pastor Mark, you just read the verse with us, and it didn't say Emmanuel anywhere in there. But well, look at verse 11. It doesn't say Emmanuel, but, it's, but it speaks to part of what that's about, and I'll explain. Look what it says. It says, there has been born... For you a Savior. Now, Savior is one we're going to look at in the future, but there has been born, right? Say born. 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 There has been born speaks 
fact that, that Jesus is born speaks of the fact that the Savior, or the one of these many names of Jesus, that Jesus would be born, that he would come into life and live among people. When, when, um, when Emerson was born, the thing that happened is she came among the family. We could bring her today because she was born, she became part of us, among us. Now Matthew, speaking about Jesus being born, adds a little to this, and I'll just explain to you, we're actually going to look at this verse in a while, but it says this in Matthew's gospel about the same story. It says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son or be born, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now Matthew tells us that the child that was born would have a name or a title, and that his name would be Emmanuel. He didn't mean that they're going to go around calling him, hey, Emmanuel, go take out the garbage. He's talking about a title of Jesus. And then he describes what the title means. He says, his name shall be Emmanuel, which means, and that's in the text. I didn't add that. That's in the text, which then means God is with us. Jesus as Emmanuel is God with us. What I want to do today is I want to unwrap that. I want to, I want to dig into the box and, and figure out what that really says to us. Different than all the other names will say to us. The uniqueness of him being Emmanuel. Now, um, for us to really get to that, to understand this, the significance of him being Emmanuel, we need to have a little history lesson this morning. Who likes history? I'm glad every hand in the place went up. You all like history, right? Well, let me give you a little Bible history lesson. One that you're probably familiar with, but maybe you didn't think of in the way I want to tell you the Bible history lesson today. So in the beginning, so we're going all the way back to the beginning of history, literally all the way back. In the beginning, God created the world and mankind. And man lived in an unbroken relationship with God in the garden. Under the care of God, under the protection of God, under the rule of God, they lived in essence in what we would call the kingdom of God. Because a kingdom is where there is an authority, and that authority uh, has a rule and resulting protection and provision that comes from being under the king or with the king. So, so people in the very beginning, Adam and Eve were with God, and I want us to pay attention to that word with. So, in the very beginning, people were with God. But man made a choice. Which kingdom? Turned the wrong page. Man made a choice. Which kingdom did they want to continue to live in? Did they want to continue to live with God under his control, or did they not want to live with God anymore? See, that's in essence what happened the day in the garden with the serpent and the fruit and Adam and Eve. You know the story, right? The serpent comes along and says, did God really say? And God had said, don't eat anything from that tree, you can eat anything else. And that's what really happened on the day a choice was made. Which kingdom would they choose to live in? What king would they choose to live with? And history says that Adam and Eve chose Satan's kingdom or Satan's rule in their life instead of God's. Now maybe they didn't fully get that at that time, what, that, what they were doing, but that's what they really did. They chose Satan's way as their way, and they rejected God's way, and they said, God, we don't want to be with you anymore. That's really what they were saying. 
Now, I'm quite sure they didn't really understand that they were saying, I'm making a selection today, and they were selecting Satan over God, or that they were really rejecting being with God completely, but that they were rather choose, they didn't really understand, they were choosing to come under Satan's rule. But that's exactly what Scripture says from history happened. They thought, I believe, that they were simply choosing self-rule. They were simply saying, hey, Satan, this guy over here, the snake told us that if we eat of that tree, we'll have knowledge, we'll be like God, we can, we can uh, take care of ourselves. We don't have to be with anybody, we can just be with us. We can be in charge. And they, they made a choice for self-rule because they could have knowledge and be like God and be independent. Um, but what they really did is that they really began to reject being with God and they accepted being under the rules that Satan had given them. So in essence, they were being with Satan. As a result, their relationship with God was altered. We saw that in the, in the history lesson. They were what? They were kicked out of the garden. God says you can't stay here anymore. And they no longer lived with God in the way they had lived with God before. Remember before they walked with God in the coolness of the day in the garden, they talked with God. Now they're kicked out of the garden. And he says you're going to barely exist he says, you're going to muddle through and barely exist by the sweat of your brow. You're going to work hard. The ground's going to produce thorns and thistles, and you're going to, it's going to be hard. The relationship was altered. And in reality, from that point on in history, um, of this, this world became, the world we know, became the domain of Satan. It became his kingdom, his rule. Scripture says in John chapter 12, verse 31, that Satan is the ruler of this world. And the Apostle Paul echoes the same thing. When he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that Satan, he says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Satan is the ruler of this world. In essence, mankind is with Satan living under the influence of his kingdom. And making sense so far? Where man is with. What we then see through all biblical history is God trying to do something. God can do whatever he wants to do. What God is doing, trying to do, meaning he wants man to cooperate, and he gave man a free will, and they have a choice to cooperate or not cooperate. What we see throughout the rest of biblical history is God reestablishing his kingdom rule for mankind. God inviting man to leave the kingdom of darkness and come back into his kingdom again. God inviting man to be with him again. God is once again giving man a choice like he did for Adam and Eve. Which kingdom do you choose? Who do you want to be with? So we find God pursuing mankind like a shepherd looking for a lost sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, inviting people into his kingdom to be with him. And as history unfolds, we see that through this, uh, through this a desire to reestablish this withness with him, he establishes the nation of Israel. And God chose Abraham to be with him, the founder of the nation, and began a nation from Abraham through him that he blessed and he protected and he guided and he disciplined. He did this to show them and the onlooking world what it was like to live with God in his kingdom, what it was like to live under his protection and by his rules. Remember that all the other nations would see what was going on with the nation of Israel go, you can't fight against them, their God fights for them. He was trying to show them something. He was saying, listen, this is what it's like to live with me. He was showing the whole onlooking world. God was revealing that being with him is the best choice. 
So when Israel lived God's way and they followed him and they lived in cooperation with him, what happened? They were blessed and they prospered. And the whole world looked at him and goes, wow, it's amazing. They lived, their God is really something. They didn't say Israel was really something. They said their, his God was really something because they were living with God. But when they rejected God and they rejected God's ways and they said, God, we really don't want to live with you anymore, God would discipline them. Now, we know from history that Israel continually chose to reject God's rule. And so they lived continually in this cycle of discipline from God where God would bring them some agency in, like through an invading army or some problem in, and, and he would try to say, get their attention and say, listen, come back to me. And then when they go, okay, ready to come back, he would send some deliverer to them, a representative of the kingdom, a representative of what it's like to live under the rule and the power and to live with God. So a Moses or a David or a Gideon would call them to come back to God so they could want, he would deliver them once again. They'd come back to him and they would be with him again. Well, the nation um, was revealing what it was like to live with God. And it was also revealing what it was like to live opposed to God. Now, that's the situation Israel found itself in at the time that we call the first Christmas, the birth of Jesus. That's the situation Israel found itself in. Israel was once again under the the domain of of an oppressive nation. They were in essence in captivity to Rome. They had been experiencing the sting of living opposed to God and they were longing for God's help. And they were clinging to a promise from one of their great prophets, a man named Isaiah. Isaiah had made a promise to them hundreds of years earlier, a promise of a deliverer. And he said, his name is Emmanuel. He said, Emmanuel is going to come. Isaiah prophesied that a virgin-born son of God would rescue their people and establish God's kingdom forever and that God himself would be with them forever. That was the promise they were clinging to. Then one day an angel appears. He appears to a carpenter named Joseph who is engaged to a young lady named Mary and the angel said these words. I have it on a slide from Matthew chapter 1. Look at what the angel says. He says, as he, meaning Joseph, considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The angel basically says, Joseph, the child in Mary is Emmanuel. He is God himself coming to be with mankind. He is the one you have all been longing for that Isaiah promised, and you've been hoping would come. This is who Mary is pregnant with. And Joseph He's not just going to come just to help you out in your trouble. Instead, he's not like Moses who can just come and help you or David who can come and help you. Instead, he is God himself and he is going himself to be with us. And that this offer to be with God 
isn't only offered to a select group anymore. No, Emmanuel welcomes anyone and everyone into his kingdom. The invitation to follow Emmanuel is the invitation to enter the kingdom of God and to reestablish what had been way back in the beginning, God being with man. Jesus, Emmanuel, is the way into the kingdom of God because he is the kingdom of God in the flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. When you are with Jesus, you are with the king of the kingdom. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And friends, here's what it means. That for now almost 2,000 years, God has been giving people a choice. What kingdom do you want to live in? He's saying this, who do you want to be with? And listen to me, church. This isn't a question that he's asked just about our salvation like we did during communion today. We say, are you with Jesus? You're saying, is he my Lord and my Savior? You're saying, who is my king, Jesus or Satan? That's only the starting point. But when he says, who do you want to be with? It's a question for all of us, especially those who say they know Jesus Christ. Are we living our lives with Jesus? Or are we going through life really living on our own, by our own power, and with our own wisdom? Surely we may add a few Bible quotes along the way, God's word for the day, but we're not really connected with Christ. See, we can be Christians and not yet really live our lives in the power and the blessing and the joy and the contentment and the transformation of being with God of experiencing Emmanuel. Friends, I had a professor who described it in a great way. He told a little story. He told the story how he had a lawn to cut. And he had an old, crummy lawnmower that didn't work very well. And he muddled around forever, for years, pushing this old lawnmower. Then one year, he got tired of the old lawnmower, and he went out and he said, I bought the Cadillac. I bought a self-propelled Great, big, huge, big tires in the back, self-propelled lawnmower. And he said, the first time I cut my grass, it was like heaven. He said, I, pro- I cut that and he almost dragged, he dragged me through the yard. He goes, it was so enjoyable now to cut the grass. And fall came and he didn't need the grass cut anymore. And he, he put the lawnmower into the shed for the year. Well, winter came and went and spring came and the grass began to grow. And he got his lawnmower that now is only not even one year old, but it's, it's the second year of use. And he gets his lawnmower. He said, it still looks shiny. It still looks beautiful. He's still proud of his lawnmower. And he takes it out of the garage, out of the, garage the shed, to cut the grass for the first time. And he said, as he began to cut the grass, he started asking himself, why did I like this lawnmower? It's heavy. It's hard to maneuver. I can't hardly push it around. I don't like this lawnmower at all. Why was I so happy with this lawnmower last year? And he said, literally halfway through the lawn, he realized something. He wasn't pulling the lever to engage the self-propulsion mechanism of the, of the lawnmower. And he said, when I pulled the lever, and on my lawnmower it's a lever like this, when he pulled the lawnmower lever of the self-propulsion unit, the lawnmower lurched forward and he began to go with the lawn. He said it was fun to cut the lawn again. He realized that he'd forgot to engage the lever to engage the system to pull the lawnmower. And he described how our Christian lives can be like this. If we want 
We can do it on our own. And as Americans, we are trained to do it on our own. We can push through life. We can struggle to get the job done. We can be self-willed enough to muddle through it by our own effort, trying really hard to do all the Christian stuff that we think we're supposed to do. But friends, that's not God's plan. He is Emmanuel. He wants to be God with us. God with us was his idea. It wasn't ours. He wants to be God with us. And that makes all the difference. He wants to empower and propel us by his spirit. He wants to be present with us. But we need to understand the same lesson that my professor learned. God being with us requires engaging the lever. It's us living our lives with an intentional awareness of Jesus' presence. It's us not trying harder to act like Christians, but us being in God's presence so that he can shape us and mold us on the inside. It's us being quiet and still enough, long enough, to hear that still small voice speaking to us because God rarely yells. It's us inviting him to rule our lives and being willing to partner with the the change and the transformation that he offers to us no matter what it costs. Church, the Christmas season is a great opportunity to ask ourselves if we are really living with God. Is there a reality to him being Emmanuel in our lives? Are we engaging the lever, as it, as, as it were? Um, are we experiencing him with us in our lives? Because here's the truth. The offer still stands. God is still giving people a choice. What kingdom do you want to live in? He's really saying this. What king do you want to live with? That's the question he's asking us today. And here's what I know for certain. Emmanuel, Emmanuel is right here, right now, by his spirit. He's available to us, and in fact, he dwells in us. And for Emmanuel to be realized, we cannot ignore him. Instead, we must pay attention to him because he is right here, right now. And the question is, who will we choose to be with? That's what Emmanuel means for us at Christmas. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you join me in prayer? We get to talk to Emmanuel. Lord, you are with us. You're not words on a page. You are God with us. You did something different by coming in the flesh as a little baby in a manger that had never been done before. Before you had shown people what it was like to live with you, but but it was through prophets and priests, systems. But then you came, fulfilled the plan you had always had of being with us, 
of you yourself. You walked on this earth for 30 plus years being with those people, but you said that it was better that you went away because then you would, your spirit would come, that you are with us. And God, I would ask, help us to learn to live with you in the reality of your presence. God, you're here right now, and I would pray this for our church family, that through this holiday season, it's going to be filled with family and gifts and driving and going to people's homes and all the things, school plays, church parties. All those things that are wonderful, Lord, help those all to serve as a reminder that you are with us. Help us remember that you still make the offer that we can choose to live with you or we can choose to live on our own. And even as your children, we can choose to ignore you, but that's not what you want. That you showed to the nation of Israel what it was like, the difference between living in an awareness of your presence and in conjunction with your goodness as opposed to living a life of self-willedness. The one led to joy and peace and transformation. The other led to emptiness and frustration and pain. And we'd pray, God, this Christmas season, as we turn to you, that, Lord, you would help us to engage the lever, to learn what it is to walk in the life of nearness to you. And so right now, Lord, this moment, we just invite you to be with you, for us to be with you in a very real way. We invite you, Lord, to make your presence known. And we surrender to your goodness and your presence. Father, throughout this Christmas season, help us continually be reminded that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Lord, we walk out the doors of this church in just a moment. Let us walk out with the reality and the presence that we don't walk out of your presence when we, go, when we leave the church property, but you're just as much with us in the car and in the restaurant and in our living room and on Monday at the job or at daycare or at school. You're just as much with us. Help us to live in the awareness of that because this I know, God. That is the one thing that will change our lives. So we simply say, help us to do that by your power and your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Spend some time hanging around, hugging on some family members. Don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock, Joel Thompson will be with us. You don't want to miss it here in the cafe. If you need prayer, myself, Pastor Chris, will be up here to pray with anybody who needs prayer after church. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in Jesus.